0: Can using games and iPads actually be beneficial for children's vision? Well, if that sounds like something you are interested in, then of course you are in the right place because today I'm going to be talking to you guys about amblyopia and gaming. So let's get into it. It's the 2020 podcast. Lovely listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the 2020 Podcast. I hope you are all well and you've had a good week. The sun is shining, summer is upon us, and I am gas for 2021, even though we've come up to a bit of a rocky start. But you know, I feel the horizon is positive, so that is great. Um, yeah, so I hope you're all keeping well, and today I'm gonna to be talking to you guys about amblyopia and games. So I actually came across this article in the Acuity magazine which as you guys have listened to some of my previous episodes you guys know that is my favorite optometry magazine. I prefer it. It's really nicely laid out. The illustrations actually bang and it's not so clunky as the Optometry Today. Like the Optometry Today is a bit messy. Optometry Today actually reminds me of like The Daily Mirror of optics. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just the energy that I get from the magazine. Um, but yeah, so I was reading uh, the Acuity magazine, and I actually came across a couple of really interesting articles. And one of them was actually about curing amblyopia through iPad games, which is actually really interesting. So first of all, kids fully love like games and iPads. Like that is literally their ecstasy. Like is gaming on an iPad and even for some adults as well like I know some full-on adults that just enjoy you know like playing Ludo on a Saturday night um, (laughs) with their friends actually I have to call out my sister who during the lockdown actually found a group of friends there were random people And they all used, had this massive WhatsApp group and they were all playing Ludo together. So yeah, people love playing games. And so when I saw this article, I thought it was really interesting because almost nine out of 10 times when I do a children's eye test, mum or dad or guardian will always say, is playing on the iPad really bad? And then I'll turn around and say, oh, it's not great. And then they'll turn around and and go, see, I told you, the doctor's telling you not to use the iPad. But potentially you know iPads could be used to help children's visions and that's why this article was so interesting. So I'm going to talk you through exactly what it went through um, and how gaming could actually be useful to treat children with amblyopia. So first of all let's just talk about amblyopia. So this was a concept that I didn't actually understand until about my final year at uni. So you get taught that it's essentially a binocular disorder um, where your brain does not fuse both images together. So when you're looking at something, your right eye gets one image and your left eye gets another image and your brain moldes them together and you get the image that you see. But in someone who is amblyopic, they either have a very blurry image coming out of one eye or if they've got an eye turn or something like that, their eye is pointing another direction. Therefore, the brain finds it difficult to... Either fuse two different images or one image that's very blurry compared to the other one. And then as a result, the brain will just ignore the dodgy image. And so that connection between the weaker eye or the eye that's pointing in the wrong direction and the brain never fully develops. And so in the future, when we correct the eye turn or we will correct the blurriness in that weaker eye, that eye will always remain weaker. And that is called amblyopia. So when I first learned this, I think it was in second year. I thought that someone just had no vision out of that eye whatsoever. So they can normally see. One eye will be, for example, 6'6", and the other eye will be 6'12", or 6'21". And obviously the weaker that eye is, the more amblyopic it is. So that essentially is what amblyopia is. And surprisingly, actually, one in 50 children actually suffer from amblyopia. So when you think about it in terms of a school with 700 children in it, quite a high percentage of those kids will be amblyop- Um And it has a knock-on effect on a lot of things. So first of all, you've got reduced vision in one eye. So if anything happens to your good eye, you're left with a weaker eye anyway. You also have reduced stereopsis, so reduced 3D vision. And that can affect a lot of motor skills when you're younger. And this actually really shocked me um, when I came into practice, is that a lot of people are actually amblyopic. And they just don't know it. So people who've never really had their eyes tested... Um, especially if they are like immigrants come from another country and um, they don't really have the health care that we're used to they just always think that one eye is weaker than the other if they're amblyopic and I guess that kind of makes sense you know how you think like, oh I, I'm just right handed I'm right do- like right side dominant or I'll kick a ball with my right foot more people just assume that you should have one weaker eye and that it's normal but it actually isn't so a lot of people walk around amblyopic and they don't actually realize it next question I guess is can amblyopia actually be cured and of course it can be but the intervention has to be done at the correct time so we have something called the plastic period and that is between the age of two and seven I believe don't quote me on that it might be a little bit older than that and that is basically the time where you can intervene and you can strengthen that connection between the eye and the brain and you do that by forcing the bad eye to work so covering up or blurring back the good eye and making that eye work so yeah, that's how you do it. However, I think this plastic period can be longer because of, when I did a hospital placement, this uh, orthoptist who I was working with was actually patching a child who was like 12 years old. And I remember turning around asking her like, surely that kid's out of the plastic period. Why is why is this patching still working? And she was like, oh, I don't know. It just, it works. It works. So yeah, that, that age gap is uh, crucial, but it's not key. And It's really important especially if you have a child who has a very high prescription in one eye um, they have the potential to become amblyopic if they're not uh, seen quick enough which is why actually children testing is so important and I actually sometimes think that even five or six years old for a first eye test is still too young because you only have one year to correct any amblyopia. So yeah, correcting amblyopia is really important and how we do that is we stop the good eye from working. So the main two methods at the moment, in the UK we use patching. What we would do is we would basically patch the good eye and we would make the bad eye work. And the second treatment is using a drop called atropine. So atropine essentially blurs the vision in one eye. So you'd put one drop into the good eye and that would blur that image back and that would make your um, bad eye do a lot more of the work because that would become the clearer eye. So the only issue with these two things, so first of all, patching is just not... Kids are mean, basically, and having to go to school with a patch on and glasses can be really traumatic because kids do make fun of you. Like, we all must have remembered that one kid. It could have even been you who used to wear the patch on their eye. And it doesn't matter, like, how bougie that patch is, if it's got multiple colours on it, rhinestones, if it's, like, the nicest patch ever. At the end of the day, kids just don't want to wear a patch. So there's a big issue with compliance. And then, of course, if you over-patch as well, you can actually make that good eye amblyopic. And that is called reverse amblyopia. Um, So it can cause a lot of issues. And so with patching, you have to monitor it very closely in the hospital. And so you have to make a lot of appointments in the hospital. And that is, you know, wasting hospital resources. I've always thought they should maybe bring patching into community, but it's never really been done. I don't know why. And the second thing with atropine is obviously it's a drop going in the eye. So... You know, it's drop, it has side effects, it's medication, it could be damaging. People don't like modern medications, so you know, they would be against it. And also, this technique is actually stopping both eyes from working together. Whereas, if you had a video game, both eyes are open, and so it's promoting that binocularity. So, let's look at how these video games would actually work. So, the article stated that these video games all have a similar kind of theme to them. So, how they would work is you would have pair of glasses, probably red-green, so dissociating the eyes, and then you would be playing the video game. So the game that they uh, actually described was a game similar to Tetris, so Tetris is that really vintage game where you have the different blocks and then you have to arrange the blocks in a position and so that they all line up and if you get one full line then that line disappears and that's how the game works. So essentially what would happen is you would be wearing red green goggles and then the falling blocks which is the most important part of the game would be seen by the weaker eye so that's how the red green goggles would work. Um, and then the line at the bottom would be seen by the stronger eye. So both of the eyes need to be registered for the game to work. You're basically promoting that binocularity. And there was another game which a lot of studies were done on, and it's called Dig Rush. So basically, it's I think it's a game like with coins and a cart, that sort of thing. And what they do is they reduce the contrast in one eye, so they reduce the contrast in the good eye, and they try and increase the contrast in the amblyopic eye to try and promote more signals going down the amblyopic eye and like down the optic nerve and promote it working. So this study was carried out um, on 28 children, so actually not that many children, aged between 4 and 10, and half the group were patched for two hours a day, which I don't think is that long, and then the other half had to play dig rush five days a week. I don't know how long they had to play dig rush for, but the study showed that after two weeks, people who played dig rush had 1.5 increase in the lines they saw, this was logmar lines, whereas patching was actually less successful than that, so patching only had an increase of 0.7 lines in two weeks. So, Actually, I think that for a two-week period, that's actually a really decent improvement in both of them. But you can see that the game is actually more effective. But, I mean, again, this is a small study. It's not that reliable. Another study was done on 138 children, so it was a bigger range and they were actually aged between 7 and 12, which I found interesting because I was like, they're outside of the plastic period, but then this just proves my point and my fact that you don't need to be in the plastic period for this treatment to work. So the first group, they played dig rush and they also wore glasses at the same time, when only when playing that dig rush game if they needed glasses. And the second group just wore glasses correction for the whole day. Um, and they actually found that Dig Rush increased the letters by 1.3 lines, whereas Glasses actually increased it by 1.7 lines. So you can see that Game is kind of moving everything in the right direction. The Glasses are working in the right direction. It's just that some treatments are more effective than others. But it's a new treatment. There's not really that many studies that have been done on it. So that would make sense as to why the studies are a little bit all over the shop, because it's a bit confusing. But it seems to be working, which is a good thing. The one thing that this article mentioned is really important when you're playing this game is continued playing. So playing regularly is so important. Um, and there was a couple of boring studies that they mentioned that I'm not going to lie, I kind of skimmed through because there were so many numbers in it, and I was getting really confused. But it basically showed that games actually had the more, most compliance compared to patches and things like that so the compliance was still only 65 percent. so say for example you've been told to do 100 hours of gaming a normal patient would have only done 65 out of that 100 which is still better than patching which is good um but regular intervals or stopping the gaming and um, regularly can actually make it less effective which isn't great So to conclude, I think this gaming is not really an alternative to patching or atropine. However, it's a third method of treatment to help solve amblyopia. So you can probably use it in combination with or alongside any of the other things so the one really good thing about games is that because of the game and because it's all done like online like via the iCloud or whatever you can actually track the progress so much better and you can see how well the child is improving because you can make the game more challenging so for example say the child's actually doing really well on the game you can increase or decrease the contrast accordingly and the good thing is is that you can actually monitor the child through the app because you can see how many hours they're actually doing it and you can track their improvement which is really good and especially like nowadays with us not being able to go into hospitals that regularly that's actually a really good thing because you can reduce the appointments that are done in the hospital for patching and that can be put towards like more more complex cases for children so yeah that is my little summary of something interesting that I came across this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. So, yeah, it comes under the category of things that we should know, but maybe we don't know. So, hopefully, next time when you're in the test room and a mum is like to you, you know, doctor, is it really bad because my child spends so much time on the iPad and is the iPad really bad? You can actually turn around and say, Do you know what? It's actually not that deep for your child to be using an iPad. However, obviously, they need to be using it with the correct gaming skills. So maybe don't turn around and say that. But yeah, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. It was a short and snappy episode, but you guys know the drill. If you want to get into contact, hit me up on all the socials on the underscore 2020 podcast. And if you have any suggestions or if you want to be really nice and leave me a review, I would absolutely love that. But yeah, hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye guys.